Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. God is moving in this last hour as we look for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Jesus, through the Apostle Paul, I believe it was, in Hebrews chapter 9, we're all familiar with verse 27, which says, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. We all face judgment to give full account to the God who made us for our lives in this world, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5, I believe it's verse 10 says, verse 28, so Christ, Hebrews 9, 28, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear without sin unto salvation. What a blessing. We are looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto everlasting life. Hallelujah. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Jude 1 verse 21. Keep yourselves, keep yourselves in the love of God. Are you walking in the love of God toward other believers? If not, it's because you are not loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But you can, you can repent, you can return to the Lord and be refreshed and cleansed today. He says, come boldly before his throne of grace so that you may obtain mercy. Why would you need mercy? Because you sinned. And find grace to help in time of need, that being divine enablement of God upon your heart and also in your life so that his will is brought to pass. So keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto everlasting life. Keeping ourselves in the love of God requires that we seek God. We choose to love him above all others, including and really beginning with ourselves. We're either loving the Savior or ourself today, friends. And he calls us to come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus calls us, no matter who we are or where we are right now, whether we've saved yet or not, to come to him. Anyone that's not in the perfect will of God today is does not have the blessings of God in their life. He wants to give them to us. He's not willing that any should perish. He would have all men to be saved and, hello, 
come unto the knowledge of the truth. God wants to bless you. He sent his son to bless you. Acts chapter 3, verse 26. You don't have to carry that load anymore, my friend. You don't have to carry it. Let me read that again. This is the words of none other than the Son of God from heaven who came, lived a perfect life, showed us the Father, and went to the cruel cross of Calvary, sacrificing himself for the sins of the world. He was forsaken for just a moment that you and I might be forgiven. God was in Christ on that cross, reconciling, reconciling, bringing back the world unto himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Matthew eleven twenty eight. come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Are you burdened today, beloved? Do you have a dirty conscience? Do you feel shame and guilt for sin you committed? I've been there. I don't want to be there anymore. Once you taste and see how good the Lord is, Psalm 34, 8, and you have a clear conscience before God. As soon as that clear conscience, the waters of it get muddied again through dabbling with sin, you're going to be running back to the feet of Jesus. And finally, perhaps we're going to find out, you know what? No more tasting of the world. It never brings anything good. I want the peace of God to rule and reign in my heart. Philippians chapter four. So Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will do what? Give you rest. Only the Prince of Peace can give us peace, friend. There is no other real peace but the Prince of Peace. In fact, the Bible tells us in First Thessalonians, I think it's chapter five, they're going to say peace and safety, but watch it because sudden destruction cometh. See, there's a false peace. There's always a counterfeit to the genuine. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 says that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And Isaiah 45, 22, come unto me, look unto me. Oh, let's see, Isaiah chapter 45. Yeah, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. There's only one God, friend, and one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And that's what I'm doing right now. I am preaching Christ to you right now, Christ and Christ alone. The kingdom of Christ is all about Christ. When the word church pops up or God, the first thing that should enter into our hearts and minds is Jesus Christ, the nail-scarred, risen Savior who is calling you today no matter where you are, if you're already saved or not, to come to him. You're laboring. Many of you listening to me are laboring and heavy laden. You're stressed out. I can talk from great experience in that. I don't want to go there anymore, friends. And I know many of you know what I'm talking about. You're way ahead of me in this. God wants to give you rest, beloved. But you got to labor to enter into that rest. Hebrews 4.11. What does that mean? You got to work to earn it? No. But we live in a fallen world and you have a sinful nature that must be crucified with Christ, must be X'd out, must be nullified, must be vanquished, hallelujah, by the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. Every day, as you're crying out to God that he must increase, but you must decrease, John 3.30, and declaring prayerfully and from a sincere heart that you are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live yet, not you, but Christ that liveth in you in the life which you now live in the flesh. You live by the faith of the Son of 
God, and when you resign yourself to be conformed to the image of the crucified Savior, he is going to raise you upward, hallelujah, in his mighty divine power. And that's when everything gets right. That's when the Christian life is being lived by Christ in and through you. And you're going to see power. You're going to see glory. You're going to see blessing. You're going to see God open doors and start using you in powerful ways. And I just pray you'll become addicted to that resurrection life of Christ. He is the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. teeming in you, T-double-E, teeming in you, filling you to overflowing, propelling your life upward in him and using you for his great glory in this late hour. Take his yoke upon you and learn of him, for he's meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Light. Somebody listening to me is carrying a heavy burden that God wants you to cast it on him, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. First Peter 5, 7 and verse 8, it warns us concerning those who are carrying a burden they're not supposed to be carrying. Be sober, be vigilant. Verse 8, First Peter 5, because your enemy, your adversary, hello, we got an adversary. We're in a war, beloved. And if you're not fighting, you're losing. When's the last time you saw a boxer winning when he wasn't even throwing any punches? It's not going to happen. You got to fight that good fight of faith. You got to deliberately choose to labor, to seek God and love him as first love and priority of your life, not yourself. Fight that good fight of faith to make sure Jesus Christ is reigning in your life and you're doing your practical part in the matter. You're not working for your salvation. Uh Uh-uh. Jesus already did that when he said it is finished on the cross and his dying breath. No, you're working out. Oh, I love this. I just can't help but raise my hands every time I think about this passage in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work out, not for, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, who? God that worketh in you, beloved saint, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. God is working in. I don't know about you. I get real excited upon relishing and meditating upon how God is working in us, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. Let go and let God, beloved. The Bible tells us in Psalms that uh, the Lord will perfect that which concerns our lives. I believe it's 138.8. Now, notice here, Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. God wants to use you to communicate his gospel. Oh, yeah. He wants to use you, and he's going to use you. He's going to raise you up and use you. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. John chapter 15, when Jesus is speaking about abiding in him, abiding in him. Let me tell you, God is drawing men unto himself. Jesus said that when he went to the cross, this is before he went to the cross, he's going to draw all men unto himself. Now, why would Jesus? draw all men if he didn't expect to save and desire to save all men. I just had to throw that in there because Calvinism is a poison, cancerous, demonic system of heresies telling people that Jesus didn't die for all men. Kidding me? First John 2, 2, he is the propitiation. That means the atoning sacrifice 
for our sins, not ours only, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You know, as God would have it one day, a few years ago, I was talking to this guy. He was well-dressed. Little did I know he was partaking in the ministry presentation that day in this very large church in Dallas. And we started talking and he said, you know, John Piper's here today. It was before the church service, so-called, was going to begin. And we were just having coffee talking. There's people all around in the big, huge foyer. And I said, oh, really? And I was half awake, I guess. I said, yeah, I guess I'll be critiquing. My response to him was, I think I'll be critiquing his Calvinism today. And I just kind of smiled. And and boy, that guy got stirred up, man. So he wanted to engage in a conversation about uh, Calvinism. He later revealed to me before he stormed off in anger, those demons got manifested. He revealed to me that he was the president of the National Reform Theology Association or something like that. Reform theology is Calvinism, the cult of Calvinism. When the hot button hit, and that was this verse right here, 1 John 2, 2, I quoted it to him. Man, you could see those demons manifesting. He is is the propitiation Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world the sins of the whole world praise God aren't you glad Jesus God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life you know Jesus was moved with compassion upon those lost souls which he went out to the streets and beheld in the end of Matthew 9. Jesus, unlike most pastors today who hide in a little building, they're nothing more in most cases than real estate managers and circus conductors on their Sunday morning circus they call church services. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Notice Jesus was among the people. He had compassion on them. And and if we're walking with him, his compassion is working through us. That resurrection life brings all the attributes of God into and, and flowing out of our lives toward others. And he was moved with compassion. He didn't condemn the lost. He came to die for them. In fact, a verse we need to memorize is John 3, what? Everybody wants me to say 16. Ah, yes. Quoted it a minute ago, but what about verse 17? Jesus said, John 3, 17, memorize it, beloved. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Also, Jesus said to his disciples in their younger years in Luke 9:56, for the son of man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. I think we need to get a clue on that one, don't we? Like them, many times we want to rain down fire and brimstone from heaven on them. And, you know, Jesus said, you know not what spirit you are of. He was talking to the sons of thunder, they were called. For God did not, Jesus did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. First John 1.15 says that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We need to memorize that one. First 
Timothy, and that's going to be chapter 1, verse 15, for the Son of Man, for this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus did what? He came into the world to do what? To save sinners, to save them, not condemn them. We're all already condemned in our sins. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned. This is Romans 3. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6, 23. So Jesus was moved with what? Anger? Uh-uh. The only time you see him getting angry is with the rich and the religious and a different kind of anger probably when he chided his own disciples as we just cited at the end of Luke 9. So Jesus saw that there were sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Father, we pray right now that you would prepare and raise up crucifixion servants of yours who you are raising up every day as their lives are laid down and that many would be saved in this late hour, O God. You said right here, Lord Jesus, that the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Let it be, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Speaking of such, you might recall we've got a new post on Safeguard, pretty recent, and Look it up. Just look, search the word Jeremy, Brother Jeremy, up in uh, the beautiful country of Canada. And Brother Jeremy, the Lord had been convicting him for years. And what a nice, what a good brother, man. And a few months ago, he called, not long ago, and just wanted to get saved, man. Just fish jumping in the boat. God's got to do the work. And he got saved, man. And it was real as it could be. And we've been fellowshipping ever since. And recently he called and he said, my son, I'm going to tell you, he didn't tell me this, but I'm going to tell you, God showed his son, Jeremy's son, Christ through his dad and the changed life of his dad and his dad's ministry. And this young man, his son, 16 years old, got saved. What a blessing. You know, today, just today already, it's only midday pretty much. We've had two people email the ministry. You talk about drawing people to himself as we started in John 12, 32, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, in other words, if I'm going to the cross and I am, I'm going to draw all men unto myself. Get ready, saints. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. First Peter chapter three, verse 15. Are you preparing to minister to others? If you are, God is going to use you. God can't use everybody the same. You know that, right? We have to understand that God God wants to make us vessels of honor, and that requires submitting to him. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourself. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Then he says, cleanse your hands, right? James 4, ye sinners. That's a beautiful verse. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he 
he shall lift you up. There it is. That's the gospel operating your daily life. It's the death and the burial and the resurrection. God is not going to raise up any vessel that's not dead and buried. Jesus Christ had to be first crucified to his death, then buried before he could be raised up again. That's an inseparable order of the gospel. God wants to raise you up and he will, but only as you're crucified with Christ, not only positionally, but practically, as we spoke of earlier, humble yourselves, verse 10, James 4, in the sight of the Lord. And what's he going to do? He's going to lift you up. The uh, remnant of God's elect are defined clearly throughout scripture, including in Isaiah 37, 31. The remnant, he said, see, there's a whole lot of folks claiming to be Christians, but they're not walking in the cross. Therefore, they're not following Jesus on his terms because he said, you must, if you're going to follow me, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Isaiah 37, 31, the remnant that has escaped, they're escaped from the house of Israel, I believe it's or Judah. They, they got out of the religious Babylon, pretty much is what he's saying there. They come out from among them. What are they doing? They're learning to take up the cross. Oh yeah. He said they're taking root downward and bearing fruit upward. When you choose to say, Lord, I'm going down, I'm going to follow you in the crucifixion. You're not dying for your own sins. That's not what this is, but you're crucified with Christ. You're identifying with him in his death. And therefore you're going to get the benefit of being raised up with him. And you're acknowledging that you are a filthy, evil, depraved, wicked sinner outside of Jesus and that you need to be crucified with him so that he can purify you and raise you up for his glory. This life is all about loving him, saints, choosing to love him, not yourself. Your greatest enemy is yourself. Anybody telling you to love self is 100% a bona fide devil. Run. Self-esteem. You got to learn to love yourself. Run for your life. That is a demonic fraud. Run. So God wants to use you. Second Timothy 2. You ought to read this chapter every day this week. Second Timothy 2, 21. God can't use everybody the same. He is going to use those that are preparing themselves obediently before him. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. But in a great house, there are, he's given a picture, an illustration here. But in a great house, there are, he's talking about us in, in light of us being good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, that's the context. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. Now, you know, speaking of good soldiers, I was a Marine and, you know, not every Marine can be used on the same level as some other Marines. You know, it's like the Navy, the Marines are a branch of the Navy. So it's all one pretty much. But, you know, the Navy SEALs have to go through extensive preparation to do what they do. The Marine reconnaissance men, Marines, they have to go through extensive training to do what they do, to do the special ops that they do. In fact, we got an, a really good post and podcast on this. Look up special ops in the search box on safeguardyoursoul.com. I believe that'll fire you up, my friend. All right. So in a great house, Second Timothy 2.20, there are not as different things. You know, in your house, there are things that are more valuable than others. That doesn't mean your significance is any less, by the way, in the eyes of God. But value for usage, if you will. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth or mud, and some to honor and some to dishonor. See, there's different levels of value in your home furnishings. And he's kind of painting a picture here. You know, when you are going to eat a steak, let's say, for instance, you go to your utensil drawer, you got to get certain utensils 
utensils out. The, just the right ones, a fork and a nice sharp knife. That's what you need to employ in order to cut that steak and eat it, right? What about God when he needs something done, when he's going to use somebody? Can he just look down upon men and his body, I should say, is saint and everybody is somebody he can use for that certain thing? No, no. And I think that's what he's saying here. Those who prepare themselves are going to be much more fit to be used of the Lord. Remember 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, says the eyes of the Lord, they look down, right? They're scanning. He's looking to and fro in the earth to find someone that he can use mightily, someone whose heart is perfect toward him. Notice he didn't say performance. Mm. No, his heart is perfect toward the Lord, and God can use him to do great exploits. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. And also we see in uh, Daniel 11 that they that do know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. And that's talking about the last days and how God's going to purge us. That is such an incredible, those last two chapters in Daniel chapter 11 and 12 speaking right to today. I mean, absolutely. There's going to be a fire that purges the dross off the gold of those who seek God and prepare themselves to be used of God. Notice this, the next verse, 2 Timothy 2.21, if, notice it's conditional, if a man therefore purge himself from these, that would include everything that does not belong to and does not please God. He, who's he? He is specifically, distinctly, those who purge themselves from the things that don't glorify God shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, that means set apart, and meet, M-E-E-T, that means fit for the man master's use. And notice this word, prepared unto every good work. Isn't that a blessing? Do you want to be prepared to be used of God? Seek the face of the Lord, my friend, crying out to him to purge you from everything that does not belong to him, to cleanse you and make you authentic, to give you a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So today we've had two people so far send just desperate messages. That's a blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means they're desperate for God. That's Matthew 5, 3. And one dear lady, and I want you to pray for Hannah. That's her name. Beloved Hannah. We love Hannah. God loves Hannah. God is drawing Hannah. She said she read some articles on the heresy of once saved, always saved. And that she's very, quote, I'm terrified, so terrified that I'm going to go to hell. Well, the good news is that God is drawing her because he wants to save her so she doesn't go to hell. And then she says at the bottom, please tell me how to get to heaven. I pray it's not really hard. I'm so scared. Well, in response, I've sent her some couple of links and spoke to her a little bit. Anyway, God has drawn. Jesus promised that he was going to draw all men unto him from that point forward after he died on the cross to cleanse us with his pure, precious, innocent, divine blood that he offered on the altar of the cross. Jesus's blood satisfied the claims of the Father's justice to justify all who come to him. And he lives now in heaven, back in heaven with his father at the right hand. He ever lives to provide what he died to purchase on that cross. And that's just so great a gospel that we have, so great salvation 
that came from the Son of God alone, and that he lives to provide what he died to purchase for us. He's making intercession for you and me and all of his saints at the right hand of the Father. Now, also, somebody else called in today. What a blessing. I mean, this is just part of what's going on. Saints, I want to encourage you to pray for the, the supply and the fruitfulness of the ministry. So a lady named Danielle also wrote in today, which we pray God will work in her also, her and Hannah today, mightily, and uh, continue his good work he began in Brother Jeremy and his son, Owen, I believe his son's name is. Anyway, so Danielle writes in today and talks about growing up in a good relationship with the Lord, trusting in Jesus with all her heart for her salvation. And she also was taught once saved, always saved. Isn't this interesting? This is two emails in just a few hour period. And she's crying out to the Lord to be purified. If you're not walking in the cross life, I can tell you right now, as I've experienced for many years, you're living in sin and the cross is nowhere to be found in the modern church. So why do we keep doing, you know, the definition of insanity? Somebody says, is that biblical? Yeah, I think it is. We reap what we sow, right? If somebody defined the definition of insanity of continuing to do the same things that we've always done and expect a different result. It's not going to happen. We continue to sow the wrong seed. We're going to get the wrong crop. I had a brother in Christ in my life that used to say, hey man, sometimes, you know, when we don't do what's right, we sin. We makes us want to just pray for crop failure. Well, that's kind of a cute little thing to say, but we're going to reap what we sow. So we got to sow the right seed and uh, be sown down into the death and burial of Christ so that he can raise us up. He can raise us up and he sure will. He sure will raise us up if we'll do things his way, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus. What does that mean? I got to carry some heavy wooden cross? No, not at all. You basically got to just say, Lord, I let go and I let God, I let you take over my life. Lord, I've made a mess of it and I need you to reign in my life, Lord Jesus. How many of you want the King of all Kings, the Lord of all Lords reigning in your personal daily life? I don't know about you, but I've had enough of self. I've had enough of the flesh and the evil, dismal, dark results of the, it's never good. The wages of sin is death. So every day I cry out with these two dear sisters that are, I don't know if they're both saved or not. We're in conversation with them and God's going to hear your prayers praying together with me, saints, that he will bless Danielle. God knows what they need. Danielle and Hannah, in the name of Jesus, Father, we love you and we thank you for it. One of the articles, the post linked I sent to, let's see, Danielle is because of her question. It's called, is there a point of no return with God? That's gotten a lot of attention. Just put in the words point or point of no return into the search box on safeguardyoursoul.com and you'll get that. It explores because we've all been there to where we're like, man, I've been living in sin, man. I might've gone too far. I mean, that fear of God gets all over you and it ought to. God's designed that alarm to go off. He made us with a conscience. So we scamper and we hasten to his feet, falling upon his beautiful mercy. God bless you, saints. Thank you for praying for Danielle and Hannah and beloved Jeremy and his son, Owen. Amen. God's working, friends, and he wants to use you mightily. And if you'll go down deep in the death of Christ, you can start with a prayer. Say, Lord, just anoint me, Jesus. Anoint me to the death and burial of self that you might reign in my life, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Check out the daily cross. 
category on safeguardyoursoul.com. It's just go to the D's in the drop-down menu, Daily Cross, Daily, go to the Daily Cross, man, you'll find a load of incredible, incredible, rich, scripture-rich, Christ-centered fellowship and uh, content life-changer, man. We've got to camp around this doctrine of the denial of self and letting Christ reign, the cross. We've got to camp around that, guys. The flesh wants to go one direction and God wants to take it down and vanquish it or liquidate it so he can raise you up. You got to be crucified with Christ, folks. That's what facilitates, if you will. We're not earning anything, but it facilitates the resurrection life of Christ. And you're going to be wishing you to learn this a lot sooner in your life. I wish somebody else would have told me about this when the Lord first saved me. That would have saved me out of a lot of sin and the evil consequences of it. I think many of you can agree with that. God bless you, friends. Thank you for listening and email us if we can pray for you or anything we can do for you. Thanks for praying for fruitfulness from the ministry outreach. God bless you, friends. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, Scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several, many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all Scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.